Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of the Box Hard Podcast. We're back after the three-week, the two or three-week little layoff over the Christmas and New Year period. We're back with another show. We're pleased to be back. I'm your host, as always, Joey Coastman, and I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Now, there are, there isn't much to review. There was a couple of fights that took place last weekend. A lot of them were sort of late-notice fights. Um, I'm going to read out a few of the results in a minute. I just wanted to say that this is the 15th episode. In the first 14 episodes, we've brought you 21 guests. We've also got another relevant guest this show. We will be speaking later to Mark DeMori. Um, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time reviewing the clashes that took place this week, of course. And then we're going to move into the second part of the show where we preview the big fights that are coming up this weekend. So there was a little card in Germany that was on the Saturday, um, a little card over there, which included, of course, Vincent Fagenbutz. He lost. He lost by an 11th round TKO to Giovanni Di Carolis. Now, I think that Fagenbutz was supposed to win this fight. This was for the WBA World Super Middleweight title. So Fagenbutz has been upset over there. Also, another little card in Germany, Robin Krasnicki. He picked up his 45th professional win. He now is 45 wins, four losses. He beat a guy called Kagri Ermis. Again, it was only an eight-rounder. Not much to say about that opponent. Um, also on that bill, not on that bill, sorry, on the other Germany bill, this was in Offenburg. This was on the undercard of Fagenbutz. A little late replacement, Derek Chisora. He got out in what was his 30th professional fight. He now moves to 25-5. and five. He picked up a TKO in the second round. Now, Chisora, he's had five fights, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, five fights since the loss to Tyson Fury back in late 2014. So he's basically had five fights in one year. All but one of those five fights has ended in knockout. A knockout in the first round, fifth round, third round and second round now. And of course, he got taken to points by the crafty veteran Marcelo Luis Nascimento. So... This is what Derek Chisora seems to do. He'll lose a fight at the top level and he'll drop down a level and he'll pick up all these knockout victories and he will be looking to get in there again in some sort of title shot in the near future. Again, of course, he's just recently teamed up with Team Sauerland and Sauerland also own David Price. So there could be a little clash that I'd like to see. I'd really love to see that fight. I think I've expressed that before on the podcast. I don't really think there's anything else to mention from this week, apart from a little card in Spain, Evgeny Gradovich picked up a win over Jesus Galicia. Gradovich now 21 and 1 with the one draw. Of course, on the last show, we spoke to Lee Selby, who took his world title off of him. And as that was a really small review part of the show, it's a really, really small one. We're going to move straight on to the preview side of things. We're going to jump straight in. It usually we bring you 
you know, the review part. Then we bring on a guest. Then we bring you the preview part. And then we bring you another guest. This week, we're just going to go straight into the review part because it was such a short. Sorry, we're going to go straight into the preview part because the review part was very, very short. Um, I'm going to start with the card, of course, in Brooklyn. I'm not going to start over here. I'm going to leave that to Sophia Di Stefano, who's going to be joining us a little bit later. I'm going to move straight into the card in Brooklyn. Deontay Wilder tops the bill. He defends his WBC World Heavyweight title against Arta Spilka. Ayers, what's your thoughts on this fight? Arta Spilka, 20 wins, of course, the one loss. And that one loss was by a KO to Bryant Jennings back in 2014. It was in the in the final round, but to be honest, he was almost, he was basically losing uh, every round of that fight. To be honest, so what is your thoughts on this fight? Do you think Arta Spilka can can you know compose any threats to Deontay Wilder? Um, I reckon this is a very good fight with Art with Arta Spilka and Deontay Wilder. In my opinion, if if I have to say who wins this fight, I'm going to go with Deontay Wilder. And you yeah. know why? Because I reckon Wilder in knocks him out. There's another thing as well. There was they were saying that Tyson Fury might be ringside for the fight to see because there's a future. Uh, I can see this fight happening. Wilder versus Fury in the future. Yeah, that's right. I have actually um, got wind of Tyson Fury being in being in the Big Apple in New York. Um, a lot of fighters are going to this fight. I think Malik Scott's going to be there. I think Eddie Chambers is also going to be there. A lot of fighters are getting down to this. Um, of course, you know, Deontay Wilder, 35-0 and 0 with the 34 knockouts. Um, if Bryant Jennings can put Arthur Spilker away, and Bryant Jennings is not a big puncher, let's face it, then I'm sure that Wilder carries enough power to do the same. But again, you can't just base it on that. But I just think Spilker's actually a good fighter, and I think this is a tough test for Deontay Wilder. Spilker also can bang himself. He's got 20 wins, 15 of those 20 by knockout. Uh, he's ranked 19th in the world via box rec, but he's a credible little fighter, again, you know, from Poland. Um, but he is kind of considered a small heavyweight. He's only six foot three. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that fight brings. But yeah, prediction wise, got to go with Deontay Wilder to pick up his 36th win. It's probably going to be by knockout as well. Moving down that card, the other heavyweight title clash. This card has two heavyweight titles on the line. The second clash, Charles Martin fights Valislav Glaskov. This is for the vacant IBF world heavyweight title. This is the one that the IBF stripped Tyson Fury of. So they fight for the vacant title. Charles Martin, we had him on the show a couple of weeks back, 22-0 and 0 with the one draw. Also in those 22 wins, 20 by knockout. And Glaskov, 21-0 and 0 with the one draw. That one draw was against Malik Scott. He's been very lucky, Glaskov, to keep a record with no losses and, and um you know, and he's he's managed to get through all 22 fights without picking up a loss. He's been pretty lucky on when it comes down to the judges' scorecards. But how do you see that fight going? I don't suppose you've seen too much of Glaskov, of Glaskov Ayaz, but how do you see that fight going? Who have you got, Charles Martin or Glaskov? I've got Charles Martin to win on points, I reckon. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I don't know much about Glaskov's chin. I know that you know, he's been in there with Malik Scott. I know that Malik Scott isn't very much of a big puncher. You know, he didn't really trouble him with his power or anything like that, despite hitting him flush. 
Uh, he also fought, of course, Steve Cunningham. Steve Cunningham, again, not a big puncher. We saw him fight Thomas Adamek. Thomas Adamek didn't really land him in any trouble. And again, not a very big puncher at heavyweight. He sort of hasn't really been in there with any big punchers. So I can't really tell you what his chin's like. But he will be tested here. His chin will really be tested for the first time in his career, probably, because we all know that Charles Martin can bang. Um, moving down that card, there's not really else. There's not really much else on there. Um, Edge Sulecki's on the bill. He looks to move to 22 and oh, he fights Derek Finley. 22 wins, 17 losses and one draw. It's a bit of a showcase fight that. Mike Lee's also on the bill. He's 15-0 at the moment. He looks to move to 16-0. There's a couple of unbeaten prospects on the bill. I think there's two or three other unbeaten prospects. Also, we're going to now move over to the Bomb Factory in Dallas, Texas. Matt Korobov tops the bill. This is his first fight back after losing to Andy Lee, which was just over a year ago. I think it's about 13 months today almost. He lost to Andy Lee via sixth round TKO and Andy Lee became the new WBO world middleweight title uh, holder. And of course he lost that belt recently to Billy Joe Saunders. So Andy Lee, Andy Lee's old foe, Matt Korobov, Matt Korobov, he fights a guy called Jose Ovando. Matt Korobov, of course, 24 wins in the one loss, that one loss to Andy Lee. And Jose Ovando, I think they're sort of, you know, they're taking it easy with Korobov. Ovando's record, 14 wins and eight losses with the one draw. Matt Korobov was a good fighter, wasn't he? As he actually, you know, technically a sound fighter. He just come unstuck against Andy Lee. We, we've seen Andy Lee. One punch can change any of his fights. I reckon um, in this fight, I see Korobov winning. In my opinion, I'll probably see him knocking that guy, knocking his opponent out. In my opinion, I reckon he's very good as well. Yeah, he is. He is. He's a very, like I say, he's a very technically sound fighter. Eric De Leon is also on the bill. He looks to move to 12 and 0. John Vera looks to move to 12 and 0. Johnny Detterman looks to move to 11 and 0. See, this this week, you know, it's, all these fighters would have been training over Christmas. There's not much going on on these cards. It's just full up with prospects in six rounders and eight rounders trying to, you know, pad their record out a little bit. So that's really it for part. You know, for part one, we've done the review and we've done the preview. We're now going to bring on our first guest. Ayaz is going to leave us. And after we speak to Mark Demori, we're going to be back talking about the hay fight. Well, I'm going to be back talking about the hay fight with Sofia Di Stefano. So we'll see you in part two. Ayaz, see you later, my friend. And we're going to welcome Mr. Mark Demori. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, with a record of 30 wins, one loss and two draws, 26 of those 30 wins coming by way of knockout, David Hayes' opponent for January the 16th, Mr. Mark DeMori. Mark, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. Now, I wanted to just start with something that has nothing to do with the Hay fight. The first question I wanted to ask you was, you signed with Don King for a while. Who are you signed with now, promotionally, Mark? Uh, my promoter is Warriors Boxing. That's uh, an American company. And my manager is Mike Barreo. Uh, Warriors Boxing, they've got uh, lots of good Polish fighters. Artish Bilka, who will fight Deontay Wilder soon, and the WBO uh, Cruiserweight Champion. They've got a really good uh, stable right now. So if I wasn't fighting David Hay, I would have been heading over to America for fights again. Okay. And what do you make of your time with Don King? Do you, are you happy that you went down that route with him originally? Yeah, because when I um, got the opportunity to sign with King, I was really headed nowhere in, in the world of boxing. And 
I was stuck in Australia where it's very small money, very small opportunity. So I really was just so happy that he would give me an opportunity. And I had two fights over in America with him and lived in his training camp for a few months. And, and so, I mean, for me, it was a fantastic way to get out of the, uh, the Australian boxing circuit and, and get overseas and, and meet different people and, and get some exposure. Okay, and a fellow countryman is making a lot of noise, a fellow countryman of yourself, Mr. Lucas Brown. What do you make of Lucas, Mark? What do you make of his career so far and him as a fighter? Yeah, we used to spar a long time ago when he was just starting out, uh, and then I moved away, and I think he went to Sydney. But he's done a great job, and uh, his management have, have been really intelligent the way they've, they've won some regional titles and, and positioned him perfectly to fight with Chagayev, who... Um, He's a very tough competitor, but I think he's uh, quite a small heavyweight that might have, you know, peaked a few years ago. So I think he's a really good chance in that fight. Another fight that I wanted to ask you about, a potential fight. Um, who do you think would win if there was a unification bout between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Well, it's, it's, it is hard to say because even though Tyson Fury beat Klitschko, I think it was like 11 rounds of nobody throwing a punch for me. Whereas Deontay Wilder, he has his flaws, but he loves to fight. So, you know, right now I would put my money on uh, Wilder. But, um, look, Wilder hasn't beaten the caliber Fury has. Fury has that win over Klitschko, which means a lot more than Wilder's wins. For, for me, though, I think Wilder's incredibly underrated. And I think people have given him a lot of stick for um, fighting some weaker opposition early in his career. But... His fight with Eric Molina, he didn't look too good. But his last fight, I thought he looked uh, like he'd improved a lot. And I was ringside when he fought Bermain Stavern. And uh, he looked great. So I think most people would favour Fury. But I'd, I'd pick the upset and go with Wilder. We actually had Eric Molina on the show just before Christmas. And he had a lot to say okay, about yeah. that fight. I, I met Eric Molina because we were maybe going to fight on that undercard to Stavern Wilder. But um, I didn't get my visa in time. But I met him in the gym. He's a very friendly guy. And... I think he's got a punch that could knock out a horse, so he's dangerous against anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, something that I read this week that caught my eye, I couldn't really believe what I was reading. I just wanted to get your reasons behind it. It came out recently that you said that this could potentially be your last fight. Could you shed some light on that? Yeah, well, look, boxing, I've been in boxing a long time. And originally, I only started in boxing because I really enjoyed it. But to be honest, the last few years... I'm only stuck at it just trying to get that big opportunity. Um, I haven't, you know, stuck at it because I'm enjoying it. I'm, I've started to hate the gym and I've started to hate the training. And this David Hay fight's given me a bit of motivation again. But, you know, you, you can't get punched in the head forever. And if you've ever met an old uh, fighter who's punch drunk or if you've ever seen a, a, um, a fight live where the guy goes into a coma, it gives you a, a pretty good reminder of what a... Um, a stupid way to live your life this is because eventually it's like Russian roulette. Eventually you'll take one punch too many. So my goals are to um, prove a point that I, I could achieve something and I could fight um, and put a certain amount of money in the bank. And, and this Hay fight's going to do that very well for me. And I've got a lot of respect for Hay. He's been a great champion, but uh, a win over Hay would, would really cement me as one of the, I, I, if there's a bigger win in Australian heavyweight history, I don't know about it. Um, I'm not a historian, so someone would have to correct me. Is that only if you beat Hay, or is that if you lose or draw to Hay? It just depends how I feel after the fight. Like I've, I've struggled for the last few fights to find the motivation. Physically, I've, I've done all the work, but mentally I'm sort of walking to the ring a little bit bored and unenthusiastic. I mean, this one's going to be a different atmosphere, so I'm sure I'll, 
I'll get much more involved. But you know, it's a, it's a dangerous sport, and yes, it's a way to make a living. But at some point, you got to you got to reevaluate whether it's a smart thing to keep walking into the ring purely for money and and, and because people tell you you should. You know, there's got to be a burning desire to be uh, at the top level in this sport. Otherwise, I think you're asking for trouble when you're, you know, you're going in there a little bit, uh, a little bit bored. Sometimes in fights, I'm sort of not being the best I can be with my defense. I'm a little bit of cruise control and I think it's a very bad habit to get into. So, you know, I've got a, a really good life outside of boxing. I live in Croatia with my wife and we have a really good lifestyle and, you know, it'd be silly of me just to keep pushing in boxing for no reason and take unnecessary punishment. But looking into the fact that a lot of people, and it's just purely because they wasn't too sure about who you were and who you'd been in with and that type of stuff. A lot of people, when David Hay announced this fight, were a bit like, oh, why didn't he jump in there with a Klitschko or someone right you know, at the top of the tree straight away? A lot of people were sort of like, oh, God, just another, you know, another fight like this. And for you to come out and say that this could potentially be your last fight, people, some people may look at that as if your your motivation's dying and David Hayes picked the perfect opponent. But could you assure everybody that you have really trained as hard as we know you've actually trained? For some of the people that don't pay enough, you know, pay enough attention to to what you do day in day out. Yeah, of course. I mean, even the the recent fights I've had, which were for very small money, I trained my ass off. I just, I'm just saying that. You, that when you're young, you might love a sport, you might have a passion for it. But as you get older, it becomes more about business. And when I got this offer to fight David Hay, I wouldn't take it unless I thought I could win. And at the press conference, I, I was pretty clear that that's what I'm here to do. Um, but people, let's say the casual fan in the UK, they know Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, David Hay, and anyone else they're not going to be happy with. Maybe they also know Klitschko. So... David Hay has no world ranking. He hasn't fought for three and a half years. So anyone that thinks he's going to jump straight in with Joshua or um, Klitschko is, um, obviously doesn't know the business. So David Hay's picked me because I've got a good record and a good world ranking. And I'm not going to give that up easily. You know, I, I've got much better ways to make money than get punched in the head. So for me, the reason I took this fight over the other fights in America is because the, the size of the show was something that would motivate me. I really couldn't get interested in any more small fights. Okay. And, of course, he's, he's he hasn't been in the ring for three and a half years now. Is there any chance, do you feel, that he's taken you lightly at all? Yeah, definitely he has. But that's it's up to me to prove him you know, wrong. If he take if he's taken me lightly, that's, a, that's an advantage for me because this is the biggest fight of my life and I've prepared very well and... You know, I don't enjoy being in London and, and being in this cold, cold place and training here. And I'd much rather be back in Croatia relaxing. So I'm sacrificing uh, to be over here to try and get that win. You know, I, I could be just relaxing and enjoying, but instead I'm over here doing the hard work. So he's taken it lightly. I'm, I'm sure he's looking past me to the, the huge paydays against Joshua or Fury or wh- whoever he's uh, planning on fighting. But you know, I hit extremely hard and I can very quickly derail his plans if he's not uh, focused. And I just wanted to touch on being over here. How well received do you feel you've been by the English public? Because they've really taken a like to you by the looks of Twitter. I don't know. I, I seem to get some people supporting me. They th- they, they're they not fans of David Hayes. So 
I think they're only supporting me because they want to see Hay lose and some people have, you know, been abusive all over social media, which is fair enough because I was on there criticising Brits and things like that just to get a few people uh, angry. Just It's all part of the show. But, um, no, look, most of the people I've met have been very polite and, and supportive, so it's quite cool, you know, because when I first came, we did the press conference and within a few hours of, of all the media putting their stories up, I, I was in the street and people knew who I was, so it was quite a funny experience. And I just wanted to also say, what do you feel David Hayes' strengths are? What particular assets do you feel that you have that are superior to his assets? Well, he's got he's very agile and he's very um, very explosive, and he likes to set traps. And what what I mean by that is he's not going to run at you. He's not going to go kamikaze, but he'll wait for you. He, he tries to set traps, make you walk into them, then make you pay. But when I have to be, I'm a very intelligent boxer. A lot of fights, I'm really quite bored. I'm just looking for the knockout because I'm not motivated. But when I'm boxing, for example, with my trainer, who was a two-time Olympian, ranked number two in the world at light heavyweight, it's almost like a game of chess. And you're always trying to set up the trap and catch the other guy. And I know David Hayes' style. I know what he's done, and, and I've studied him well. And while he's very explosive, I think I have more power and more strength. So that's going to be a big difference when we get in close and he's looking to dance around and look for that one perfect shot. If I can get in there and rough him up, I think my extra weight and physical strength is going to cause him problems inside. Also, how deeply have you studied him? Because I saw in another video that you brought up David Hayes' fight against Lalenga Mock, and that was yeah. a fight very early on in his career. And to be honest, a lot of people have forgotten about that. Only really yeah. the, the diehard boxing fans remember fights like that. How yeah. deep have you studied him, Mock? Well, I've watched nearly every fight he's had. Um, I've studied interviews with him, you know, listened to Adam Booth speak about him, and... Um, I've even spoken with some guys that uh, have sparred with him and they've told me about him. They've all said the same thing, which is he hits very hard. He's very explosive. Uh, but if you can rough him up, he doesn't enjoy it. So, you know, I know exactly, even if his new trainer has tried to change his style or, or, or something, I mean, he's going to be pretty much the same guy, a very explosive, very agile heavyweight. So if a guy like Lolenga Mock can throw a wild overhand right, and drop him. I know I can because Lolenga Mock really is a light heavyweight, and um, he was a you know, good solid journeyman, but he wasn't known for his huge knockout power, and he was only a light heavyweight. So simple science says if he can drop him, I can definitely drop him. Of course, you know that was a long time ago, but yeah, I know what you're saying. You definitely, you know, sure, bigger you might say and... it was a long time ago, but his best performances were also you know quite a few years ago. So fair point. You know, there's different ways to look at it. You can also um, Say Jean Mark Mormek dropped him. Uh, a lot of guys uh, have dropped him. I think Monty Barrett dropped him, and you know these are all good fighters. But um, th there's no reason why I can't drop him when I catch him. I'm very explosive. I set traps as well. I'll always put my head in there, uh, looking like it's there to be hit, and then look for a power shot to counter. So there's no uh, there's no bravado or arrogance here of me saying I'm going to beat him. But there is a a lot of me that feels that if he overlooks me or if he tries to get fancy against me, I, um, I'm pretty confident of landing a knockout punch. And also, of course, David has had a serious operation on his shoulder. Doctors advised him never to box again. Will you be looking for that shoulder? Will you be looking to smash his shoulder in? 
if I'm if I'm having any uh, trouble hitting him cleanly with the left hook to the uh, head, if he's blocking it well, yeah, maybe I will just target his shoulder. I have done that before in fights when guys have got a good reach advantage on me. I will just look to target their lead shoulder, but with David Hay, it's his right shoulder, so a big left hook smashing onto the shoulder. Who knows? Maybe it'll do nothing. Maybe it'll rattle the pins and it'll take away his right hand, but um, certainly there's no way I would ignore it if I saw him... If I saw him hurt or if I saw him injured, I'll be more than happy to exploit that weakness. Okay, now the, f- the last two questions I've got for you. Firstly, could I ask you your favourite UK fighter of all time? I sort of ask this question to everybody we speak yeah. to from overseas. Anyway. Yeah, I was a big fan of Prince Nassim Hamed when I was Everyone younger. says thought, that. <laughs> yeah, he was very exciting. And I thought he was quite good with the press because even when he made fun of his opponents... He always seemed to have a little bit of uh, cheekiness about him. Like, I don't think he, he meant any anything bad by it, but he knew how to get people really um, angry and sell tickets. And I, I think he was an amazing entertainer. And finally now, your prediction, if you can give it to us, for the big clash on the 16th. I think inside four rounds, one of us will be knocked unconscious. And I'm going to take a risky fight plan trying to force that because... I'm not the kind of guy that will win on points or wants to win on points. To me, that's boring. So we're definitely looking for a fast start, an explosive start, and anything can happen. Excellent. Excellent. We look forward to seeing that. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Mark. Thank you very much for taking a bit of time, and I wish you all the best of luck in your fight with David. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, now we're going to get into the part of the show where we talk about the David Hay fight, his return fight at the O2 Arena this Saturday, the 16th. He faces off against Mark Demori. Now, David Hay, his record at the moment, 28 fights, 26 wins, 24 by a knockout and two losses. Those two losses, of course, Carl Thompson and Vladimir Klitschko. And Mark Demori with a record of 30 wins, one loss, 26 of those 30 wins coming by way of knockout. I've got Sophia on the call now. So welcome to the show, Sophia. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? Very good, very good. Um, good. Yeah, so talk to me about this fight because I know that these are the types of fights that, you know, get you very interested into boxing. So, so tell me a bit about this fight, Sophia. Um, well, obviously, everyone knows that uh, David Hayes coming off the back of a three-and-a-half-year uh, layoff outside of the ring. Um, and he's fighting, as you said, Mark Demori, which, you know, Mark Demori is not an easy opponent necessarily to, to come back to your first big comeback fight. As you said, he's, um, uh, he's you know, he's ranked in the top 10. He's um, been out the ring for... Well, David's obviously been out the ring, but Mark Demori has not been beaten in over 11 years um, and unbeaten in 26 fights. So, you know, it, it's a decent opponent for him to come back to. I do believe David will come through it quite comfortably, purely on the fact that I think Mark Demori hasn't really fought anyone of any notoriety. Um, but it'd be interesting to see the stamina. I think stamina will play a part between both of them because Mark Demori's not been passed four rounds in two years, uh, which is obviously a good thing, but also the likes of David Hay will potentially, if it is going to go past, you know, if, it, if it's not going to be an emphatic knockout early doors, it could go on to the later rounds. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think stamina will play a part. So it'll be interesting to see how, how much of a key factor that is. Of course, 
David Hay, you know, as you mentioned, three and a half years out, do you think ring rust could, could play a factor in this fight at all? Um, I think, yes, of course. It, I'd be silly to say it wouldn't play a, a part and it wouldn't be a factor for David Hay, but I do know that he's meticulously trained for four months. He is completely injury-free, which is a first for him in a training camp. Um, he's obviously with his new trainer, Shane McGuigan. Um, I think they're going to be a formidable force together. Um, David's fighting at a much heavier weight, but his speed still seems to be the same, which is obviously the key part to his sort of armour. Um, so I don't think, I personally see an early knockout for David Hay. So I don't see ring rust playing too much of a part, unless obviously it goes on to the much later round. So there's no way you think that this could go to points? No, I don't see that personally. I see, I see ending in a knockout and I see David Hay being victorious. Yeah, because the combined knockout number between these two guys, 50 knockouts in, I think, 60, about 60 contests, I think. I think I've got that right. Oh, Mark yeah, it's, incre- had- it's an incredible knockout ratio between the two of them, as you said, but you have to look at the opponents that both of them have faced. And obviously, well, David Hay has faced world-class opponents and I can't really see world-class opponents on Mark DeMori's record. Absolutely. I just think if David Hayes facing only Mark DeMori, he could probably get this win. If he's facing Mark DeMori plus some ring rust, it could be mm. interesting. It will be, it will be really good. Again, that's, been, that's going to be on Dave, of course. Anybody that, that's got a free view box can watch that fight. Of course, there's some tickets still left at the O2 Arena. Um, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a super exciting night. And I'm actually working on the night. I'm doing all the ringside interviews. And from what I'm hearing, the guys behind the show and behind David, uh, the Salter brothers, they're wanting to make it very much an entertainment show, just not like a generic boxing show. So I think it's going to be a very exciting night. You're going to see a very different type of show, not what you're kind of used to on TV. And I, I'm hearing some quite big names and big music acts. So I think it's going to be a very exciting, exciting night, but that's for sure. It should be. It should be. Um, I'm not sure what happened because there was Billy Dib was supposed to be on the card. I know that he 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 pulled out about a week ago or, or two weeks ago. He's now not on the card. He was. Yeah, his fight was chief support. Mm. Yeah, I want to just. I just want to touch on that. Yeah, um, to be told, it was Shane Singleton, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Shane Singleton and, and O'Donnell. Yeah, that one's been called off with about three days to go. I think the whole card now consists of only six fights. Um, mm. I'm just going to mention those fights for anybody that's listening. Uh, Tony Dodson, he steps in against Richard Halton. Uh, Kay Prosper's also on the bill. Jose Lopez. Wadi Camacho gets out again. He looks to pick mm-hmm. up his 14th professional win. And Josh Kennedy's also on the bill. So a couple of prospects. But all in all... Um, you know, good luck to Dave for putting on their first ever sporting uh, live sporting event, and um, congratulations for being a part of that, Sophia. No, thank you. No, it's it's very exciting, and and fingers crossed there'll be many more shows on Dave TV because I think I think they're you know they're looking to to put a lot more sporting events, and I think you know this is their first boxing show, but I think I think they'll do a good job of it by the sounds of it. So fingers crossed, all goes well on the night. <laughs> Excellent. So your prediction for that fight is a early stoppage win for David Hay? That's correct, yes. Okay, and one other thing I wanted to ask you, this is purely, um, you know, like for for the future, providing David Hay gets through Mark DeMori. Yeah. 
right now, tomorrow, if David Hay, well, obviously not tomorrow because he's fighting Mark Demori, but, you know, technically speaking, (laughs) (laughs) David Hay to face off against Anthony Joshua right now. I knew you were going to put me on the line, Jerry. I knew it. (laughs) Well, you know, whose corner are you in? That's a really tough call. Are you saying, I I think that's a little unfair to call David Hay to fight Anthony Joshua when he's had a three and a half year layout. Yep. I think if you're if you're going to ask me a little much a, a little bit more of a fairer question and say give David Hay three fights, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think right I, no, now. No, it's such right a tough now. call because I think I, I'm such a big fan of David Hay. I think he's he's you know been one of the most exciting heavyweights and yeah. cruiserweights we've ever had in this country. Listen, um, I'm, and I'm, I'm really excited as a boxing fan to have him back. I do, and yeah. I'm a big fan of Anthony Joshua. I think he's listen, going to go all the way, and he listen, will exactly, become world champion. Yeah, exactly but the same for me. A but I honestly bit, think a little bit. I let think me just Anthony say, Joshua let me just say, let me just say, up a little bit in his last fight. Right. Let me just say, I am a huge fan of of Hay and a huge fan of Joshua. But I honestly think if we, um, well, it's it's a strange one because. Right now, Joshua has been active. He's getting better exactly, and better. David exactly. Hay has had but the David layoff, but strangely, I'm going to ask you this question. This is a serious question. This is quite a hard question. Who benefits more? You've already asked me a hard question before. Yeah, no, no. I'm going to go back to that. Who, who benefits Who benefits more in this? Um, David Hay to have three fights, then fight Joshua, or Joshua to have three fights, then fight Hay? Because David remember, Hay, definitely. You think? Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because do you think that currently, though, do you think do you think Joshua is ready for Hay right now? Because I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I don't think so, he is, and that's absolutely no disrespect to Anthony Joshua because I think Anthony Joshua himself would say he's not ready for David Hay. Anthony Joshua says himself he's got so much more to learn. He's definitely on this journey. He doesn't need to be sort of thrown in the deep end. And fair play to him. You know, he hasn't had that many professional fights. He's only been professional for two years. David Hay's been a professional for 20 years. You know, he's been to the top of the game. He's been heavyweight world champion. He's unified the cruiserweight division. You know, it's a different caliber of fighter. But, you know, I know I've slightly sat on the fence here, but I think 2016, summer, will be a fight between those two and it will be an absolutely epic fight. And I really, really look forward to it. So we can't squeeze a prediction, <laughs> no? <laughs> Not right now. I don't think I don't think Anthony Joshua is ready for David Hay and David Hay with a three and a half year layout isn't ready necessarily for Anthony Joshua. Fair enough. But fair enough. If you're gonna push me, if you're gonna really, really push me. Yep. Oh I think I don't know. Maybe I'm slightly edged towards David Hay. Okay. If anybody doesn't purely like on that, experience, purely anybody, on experience, purely, any... purely on the fact that he's used to fighting bigger fighters like Valuev. You know, he won the heavyweight title against Valuev. He's experienced, and I think experience takes you a long way in the boxing game. If anybody doesn't like what Sophia had to say, you can all tweet some hate at her on Twitter. Listen, you can find I, her easily. I'm sure many people, but you've really, really pushed me in at 10 <laughs> no, o'clock at course. night. And I'm going to blame all sorts of excuses on it. But as I said, I am a huge fan of both boxers. I actually think by the time they both fight, potentially, they could both hold world titles and it could be a unification fight, which would be fantastic for the British public. That's what I predict. It really would be. And I think we're going to end uh, this... this um, preview of the David Hay fight right there and we're going to bring on our second guest on this week's show. It's my pleasure to welcome the former WBO cruiserweight champion of the world Enzo Macronelli. Enzo, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
No problem, no problem. Now, your record today, of course, 41 wins and the seven losses, 33 of those 41 wins by knockout. You've just come off of a massive, massive win. You've defeated one of the sport's biggest legends. Of course, you know, this is a big win for you. But how did it feel to share the ring with someone who you no doubt looked up to as you were coming up? Um, it, it, it was, um, you know, I had to put it to one side. Um, it, it was hard and, you know, I, I went to the, the weigh-in the day before and I remember, we, you know, we stared in each other's eyes and as soon as we weighed in, I shook his hand and I pulled him towards me and I said, it's going to be an honour and a privilege uh, to share the ring with you tomorrow, but make no mistakes about it. We've made a big mistake and I'm coming to knock you out tomorrow night. So, you know, I, try, I put it to one side. Absolutely. And coming into the Roy Jones fight, um, Roy Jones himself was coming off of an eight-fight win streak, which he hadn't done since 2003. Um, he seemed to have found some sort of form, you know, in his previous fights until he met you. He couldn't, you know, it wasn't, his momentum wasn't enough to overcome what you had on the night. Um, how was he, I mean, did he still have those qualities? Because we know that, you know, he's got this ring craft that won't leave him. However, he's not really the fighter he was before. You know, is he still credible? So, you know, is he good to, to get under the, under those big lights with? Yeah, it was, it, it, don't get me wrong. I know he's nowhere near the Roy Jones of old. Um, you know, I, I said that at the press conference. I said that he said, I'm just as good as I ever be. And I said, you're not. He said, I am. I said, no, you're not. I said, I wouldn't be here thinking I could beat you if he was as good as he was. You know, the man was, was phenomenal. Uh, and he still had he still had some moves. Still, I was surprised how fast he was. Um, and he, he could definitely crack a bit. But I think I think the main reason they picked me, yes, I was a name, yes, I was dangerous, but I've been a light heavyweight for the last five years. Uh, and I seen him at the press conference eight weeks prior to the fight. And I, I was still in the process of making light heavy. So I was nice and lean. I was thin in the face. Uh, Eight weeks later, when I turned up in Russia, you know, I'm, I'm fuller, I'm up to 14 stone. I just like a totally different person. You know, I don't think they realise uh, how heavy-handed I am and how physically strong I am as well. I'd like to ask you, what does 2016 hold for Enzo Mac? I don't know, to be honest. I'd, you know, I'd, like, a, I'd like a crack at any of the world champions. Um, you know, whether, you know, people can say what they want about me, but one thing you get with me is I come to fight, I don't, I'm not scared of anyone. I don't fear anyone. Um, and you give me any of the champions, I will give it everything I got. Uh, so hopefully that that would be the ultimate send-off for me then. So you will be contesting the rest of your career at Cruiser, is that right? I, I think so. I think I, I think I felt so strong. Um, I felt so powerful and strong. And don't get me wrong, I used to make, I used to make the like every limit quite comfortably uh, with the diet that I was on, but I think just dropping that, dropping down to 12-7, obviously just tuck a little something out to me. You know, I had my chance at a world title at light heavy against uh, Jürgen Bremer. Uh, and I do believe to this day if my eye hadn't gone, I, I would have knocked him out. And, you know, I think they know they know that as well. That's why I never had a rematch. Um, so, yeah, I think I have to speak with Gary and Frank Warren. But, no, I think I feel more comfortable at Cruiser. Who, in your opinion, is the weakest world champion at Cruiser? I don't know, to be honest. They've all, they've all got different um, different sort of styles. You've got Drods, you've got Lebedev, you've got the, the Polish kid. Um, and who else? Who have I missed out now? 
Oh, and Ramirez. I'd probably say Ramirez would be the weakest out of the, the four uh, if, I, if I had to label one as the weak one. And there's also a huge prospect coming through, um, Alexander Usyk. I don't know if you've seen anything of him. Yeah, very good, very good. Southpaw slick, uh, watched him a few times. Um, no, you know, he's, he's probably the more talented of a lot of them. Yeah, only nine fights into his career, so really bright future for him. Um, so, of course, you're literally two fights off of your 50th professional outing, so that's a little milestone for you. Do you think you'll get that 50th fight this year? Do you plan to be, you know, do you plan to be active this year? How many times would you ideally like to fight this year, Enzo? I'll fight as many times as my body's capable. You know, I, I boxed in Russia. I boxed uh, Roy Jones. I come home on a Sunday, and a Monday I was back in the gym. Uh, I, I'm doing 15 rounds a day. I'm doing six-mile runs in 41 minutes. Uh, I've got an amateur club as well, so I train with youngsters, uh, and sometimes I actually train with them as well. So I'm, I'm physically very fit. I'm probably I'm probably fitter now than when I was 25, and I, you know I'm not lying. You know I think I'm just a little bit wiser, and my diet's much better. And you know I just feel really good at this moment. But you know we have to wait and see it. But you know ultimately, um, 2016 could be my last year. I got so much going on, and like you said, I've, I've been in this sport now I think 16 years. And you know, ultimately, I'd like I'd like to go out with a world title, but we'll see. Who, in your opinion, are the top three cruiserweights in Britain at the moment? I say it's me, Barry and Mackenzie. Yeah, um, Oval was very, very, very close to to beating um, Ramirez. I don't know if you caught that fight; it was very close. Yeah, I did. I didn't think he won. Um, I'd, I'd be honest, but it was very close on ten days' notice. It was amazing. Uh, amazing performance. I, I just believe that when it, when you've got to go, when you go away into someone's backyard to fight the champion, I think you've got to, I'm one of them who believe you've got to rip it off them. Uh, I, I just think he just didn't do enough, but you know he did come close and with a bit more notice, you never know. And who would you say so far in your career has been your toughest fight, Enzo? Oh, the shadow without the toughest man I ever boxed is uh, Marcelo Dominguez, uh, the Argentinian. Um, I think the fight before me, he went 12 round distance, give away Sam Stone to Valleyweb. And he was like, he was like hitting a breeze block. And I remember, I remember in the third round, I, I made him fall short with a jab. I hit him with the best right hand I've ever thrown in my life. He just looked at me, smiled and said, good shot. I bricked it. <laughs> <laughs> Very honest. Um, now, of course, you know, David Hay, a former foe of yourself, he's now back. Um, what do you think he can offer the heavyweight division now, this this late on in his career? I know he's not too old, but, you know, he's been out of the ring for three and a half years. Yeah, I, David's a smart man. I, um, I, don't think, I don't think he would be coming back if he didn't think he could do something. Um, I think he's, uh, he, he's, always, he's always got the athleticism. Um, but like you said, we'll have to wait and see, see three years of inactivity. Uh, I think David said himself, you know, everything's going right in the gym. Everything's going right. He wouldn't know himself what he's got until he actually come, comes out on Saturday night. And, and I do wish him well. Okay. I'm going to ask you one last question, Enzo. Um, I ask this to basically everyone that I speak to. Um, last week we had Lee Selby and Andrew Selby on the show. I asked them this as well. Who is your favourite British fighter, any weight, of all time? Of all time? No, it's only one, Nigel Benn. Really? Yeah, Nigel Benn. I loved watching Nigel Benn. 
You know, there's a, there's a man who wore his heart in his sleeve. I thought he was amazing to watch. Literally everyone we speak to, I mean, most of the time we speak to guys from America on this show. We try to reach out to as many fighters in the States as we can. We get Prince Nassim Hamed a lot, sometimes Lennox Lewis. But that's the first yeah, time Nig- we've had Nigel Ben. Nigel Ben for me, you know, if you look at the way I fight, I like to, I like to put everything on the line. Nigel Ben was the same, you know, to me, you know, it's been, it's been some great fighters. Uh, but I think uh, for me, the most exciting fighter was Nigel Ben. Absolutely. Fair point. The Dark Destroyer himself. Now, Enzo, thank you very much for giving us some time, uh, you know, this You're close welcome. to the new year. I hope you have a fantastic Thanks. year this year. I hope you, you know, you, you get to your 50th fight with a massive win. And I hope that, you know, you can reach yet another world title just before you call it a day. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate that. No problem, Enzo. We'll speak to you again soon. Ta-ra, buddy. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 15 of the Box Hard podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. A big thank you, especially to everybody who's listened this far. If you've listened this far, then thank you very much for giving us your ears for the past 45 minutes or so. I think the show was today. Thank you very much for listening. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Please follow us. Please retweet. Please like. Please favorite. We're on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're now on YouTube, of course, as well. Please look out for us doing a lot of big things. And we will be back next week with another buster of a show. A big thank you to my guest, my panel speaker, my main panel speaker, as always, Ayaz Sumra. And also a big shout out to Sophia Di Stefano, who's joined us for two shows in a row now. She'll be on a few more shows in the future. Also, a big shout out to Enzo Macronelli, one of our guests on today's show, the former WBO Cruiserweight Champion of the World. And a big shout out, of course, to the Australian living in Croatia, fighting in the O2 Arena on Saturday, Mr. Mark Demori. Once again, thank you very much for listening this far, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>